Amen. In our uh, Sunday school class this morning, we're talking about how serious uh, God views sin. And sometimes we view it as uh, a light matter, you know, a little white lie here, a, a little uh, scandal here, and we don't think too big of it. But man, God, God hates sin. And uh, because of the sin that you and I commit, we, we deserve nothing more than death. I deserve death. You deserve death. That's what we deserve as fallen human beings. But forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Even though I may deserve death, Father who loves me so much laid down his precious son, Jesus, so that I could have everlasting life in his coming kingdom. And the same applies to you. <laughs> what a good, good God that we serve. And I need that reminder. It's been a long uh, week for you. I don't, I don't know what your week has looked like for you, but it's been a long, uh, busy week. And it's good to be back worshiping God together as a family. Today, uh, we continue our series on the ruthless elimination of hurry. Uh, inspiration is from John, John Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, it's a book that uh, Cheryl Dickerson uh, recommended to me that I read uh, during my personal spiritual retreat and uh, got a, a tremendous amount of value out of it and thought that it would be uh, very much applicable for many of us in, in helping us with, with our spiritual walk, our walk with God. And so as we've been going through uh, this series, we learned that uh, that this great enemy of hurry is a huge enemy to our spiritual health. Oftentimes, uh, the church in America is not that we're necessarily set out to do bad, uh, but a lot of times we're, we're just too busy for God. We, we, we uh, American, the, the church in America, a lot of times we are too busy for God, and uh, that breaks uh, my heart. And uh, we learned uh, the key to eliminating this poison uh, to our spiritual health is to mimic the lifestyle of Jesus. And, now, and we're now uh, looking at four practices uh, of Jesus that we can implement in our lives to ruthlessly eliminate this poison of hurry and being over busy. And the first practice that we took a look at last week was silence and solitude. And I hope you were able uh, to implement silence and solitude in your life if it was not already a main staple of your life. When I reflect uh, on my walk with God, uh, silence and solitude, uh, that, that is a discipline, that is a practice that, that I do a pretty decent job with. I uh, certainly have uh, room for growth, uh, but uh, I, I really enjoy uh, my time of silence and solitude, and uh, the, the benefits are limitless, this time of silence and solitude. Today, we're talking about a practice that I am not pretty decent at, the, a practice that I have a ton of room for growth for. Um, and I'm guessing I'm not the only one in this boat. But today, uh, we are talking about the practice of the Sabbath. The Hebrew word for Sabbath is Shabbat, uh, which literally uh, means to stop or rest. That's the whole concept of the Sabbath. We stop our work. We rest and we focus on God. That, that, that is the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is a full day, a full day of stopping, a full day of resting, and a full day of focusing on God. And traditionally, uh, the Sabbath falls on the last day of the week. It actually starts uh, for law-abiding law Jews uh, after the sun sets on the sixth day of the week. 
But today in the 21st century, not many people really uh, practice the Sabbath anymore today. There's really two main groups that faithfully follow through with this practice of the Sabbath. And the first group is is law-abiding Jews, and the second group is Seventh-day Adventists. A Seventh-day Adventist uh, group is a denomination uh, of Christianity. And interestingly enough about the Seventh-day Adventists, uh, there was a study done on happiness And Seventh-day Adventists uh, were among the happiest people in the world. And I wonder if there's any correlation behind this group of people practicing the the Sabbath on a regular basis and being viewed as some of the happiest people in the world. And I think there very much is a correlation and a causation uh, between this regular practice of Sabbath and and being regarded as some of the happiest people in the world. You know, that's something that uh, our our, uh, culture, our society, really this world strives for. We want happiness, happiness, happiness. Happiness is really a fleeting uh, feeling, and we should be striving for something more deep and profound and, and enjoy a more permanent sense of joy. Uh, but, but happiness, not, not, not a bad thing. And I find it interesting, the Seventh-day Adventists viewed as some of the happiest people in the world, and they are pretty religious about practicing the Sabbath on a weekly basis. So in our culture, uh, when uh, we meet someone or we say hi to someone and we wish someone well, we may often uh, say, have a good day or take care or God bless or something along those lines. Uh, When I was in high school, uh, we took a trip to Costa Rica as my sister was studying abroad over there. And in Costa Rica, when they wish someone well, does anybody know what they say? Anybody, has anybody been to Costa Rica before? Not quite, no, not what I was looking for. The, the phrase that we heard over and over and over and over again was pura vida, pura vida, which means pure life, have pure life. They say it all the time over there, and it's, and it's them wishing someone else well, that they wish they could experience pure life, pura vida. Uh, for Jews, when they wish someone well, they often say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat meaning Sabbath and shalom meaning peace. And so law-abiding Jews, oftentimes when, when they greet their neighbors across the street, uh, they greet uh, the, their, their friends at the synagogue, they'll say Shabbat shalom and that they wish that their neighbor could experience the peace associated with the Sabbath. So everybody say Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, Sabbath peace. I I pray that we can all experience the peace of the Sabbath. And so the Sabbath, it really is deeply ingrained in the culture of the Jews. And why is that? What what is so special about the Sabbath? And today we're going to be taking a look at the roots of of the Sabbath found uh, in the scriptures. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. The very first book of the Bible, second chapter, we see the foundation of this idea, the Sabbath. And so uh, to catch you guys up in the first chapter, in in chapter 1 of Genesis, as many of us are familiar, uh, according to the the account in Genesis 1, God formed the heavens and the earth in six days. And so we pick up in chapter 2, verse 1, and it reads, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. 
So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So God finished forming the heavens and the earth in six days. And according to the Genesis uh, 1 uh, account of creation, yeah, it took six days. Now the seventh day, God rested. And and that word there that we uh, read uh, rested in verse two, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day. Anybody have any ideas on what the Hebrew word is there? It's Shabbat. It's Shabbat. As again, Shabbat literally means to stop, to rest. Uh, and, and so here, God, he Shabbated uh, on this seventh day, and, and he partook of the Sabbath. And now God, we, we know God has no limits to his power. You may often hear uh, God is omnipotent, that, that he is all-powerful. I mean, there, there's no limit to his power. There, there's nothing that God cannot do with his power. So since God has no limits of his power, he certainly was not worn out by the end of six days. And God is thinking, oh man, worn out from forming the heavens of the earth, I've got to take a break. No, that's not the, thank goodness, that is not the God that you and I serve. Our God, he does not grow weary. You know, I think uh, of uh, the prophet Elijah and and encountering uh, these false prophets, the false prophets of Baal, and and he's mocking them. Oh, maybe your God is asleep. Maybe he's fatigued, but not our God. Our God, Yahweh, he does not grow fatigued. So on the seventh day when God rested, get it out of your mind that God rested because he was fatigued. You can't do that because he has unlimited power. Instead, he was Shabbating, he, he, he was resting out of desire. There, there was delight to be had in resting for a day. And so God rested that seventh day out of desire and he blessed that seventh day. You know, these last four weeks of our series, uh, last week, today, and the next two weeks, we're, we're taking a look at four practices of Jesus that he instilled in his life and ministry to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. But the cool thing about the Sabbath is that God got in on the action as well. God is the very first being who partook of the Sabbath rest. That's pretty cool. You you and I can engage in the same sort of activity as our heavenly father, Yahweh. And, so, and I love as well in my personal devotions going through Ezekiel this past week, I read a couple of times where God says, my Sabbath, this is his Sabbath. He takes ownership over the Sabbath. And he says the same thing in the book of Exodus as well. This is my Sabbath, the Sabbath that God partook long before any of us were a twinkle in our parents' eyes. Um, and so it doesn't, it also doesn't start and end with God. It started with God, but it doesn't end with him. God didn't just want just himself to partake in the blessing of the Sabbath. So he extended the invitation to his people. And God didn't want uh, his people to take this invitation lightly uh, of engaging in the Sabbath rest. So he actually commanded his people to partake of the Sabbath. It's one of the 10 commandments. And so if we uh, fast forward to the the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, and we read about uh, the 10 commandments that God gives to Moses, who was uh, to demonstrate it, to explain it to the Israelites. And in the midst uh, of God uh, delivering these 10 commandments, the fourth of the 10 commandments, starting in verse 8, It reads, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So quite arguably, the, the, the 10 most well-known commandments in, in the Old Testament. Um, and, and here, the, the fourth out of the 10 is to remember the Sabbath day. There's a couple of things that, that I want to uh, take point uh, about uh, this specific command that God was giving to the Israelites. Number one is that they were to remember the Sabbath and they were to keep it holy. God commanded the Israelites to rest on the Sabbath, but it wasn't just any ordinary rest that they were to engage in. This rest needed to be holy. And holy is really just a, a church term that we use a lot that basically means different or set apart uh, for good reasons. Uh, you know, we think of God as being a holy God. He's holy because there is no other being like him. Not Jesus, not the angels, nobody. There, there's nobody on the level of God. And, and, and so God is a holy God. And similarly, we need to partake in a holy Sabbath rest. Our rest needs to look different from those around us. And so uh, how would, would this be accomplished? Well, God said that this Sabbath was to the Lord. The Sabbath rest was to be to the Lord. They were to focus on God during their Sabbath rest. This is how their, their rest was to be holy and set apart from those around them. And so Sabbath rest does not just involve napping all day. If that's what you think about when you think of Sabbath rest, you're missing the point of what Sabbath is all about. The Sabbath is a day to stop, rest, and focus on God. And we cannot forget that third step. We cannot forget to focus on God in the midst of our Sabbath rest. Another interesting uh, point here when talking, uh, when, when God is instructing uh, Moses and the Israelites about the Sabbath rest, is that he says in, in verse 11, for in six days, uh, the Lord made the heavens and uh, the earth. Um, and, and in verse nine, he says, six days, you shall labor and do all your work. So six days, God uh, made the heavens and the earth. And similarly, in six days, we are to work. A lot of people view uh, the, the, the Sabbath as a command to be lazy. No, not at all. We, we are to be working six out of seven days of the week. We are commanded to work. We have been created to do good works. So this is not a, a command. This is not an excuse to be lazy, but we are to be engaging in work six days out of the week. Now, this doesn't mean that you need to have a paying job for six days, uh, for many of us, that may look like we, we uh, work at a job five days a week, and maybe on that sixth day, maybe we engage in all the work that we don't get paid for, like paying the bills, like taking care of our house or, or mowing the lawn, whatever it may be. We, we, we engage in that work, and it doesn't have to be directly associated with the jobs in which we receive funds for. But God created us for good works. And so for six days, we should be working. We, we, we should be doing something with, with, with the bodies, with, with the brilliant minds that God has gifted us with. 
Now, also interesting about uh, this command of the Sabbath, it's the only command of the Ten Commandments uh, where God provides the why behind it. He provides the reason as to why we should engage in the Sabbath. And that, again, in verse 11, 4, or uh, often translated, because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we should engage, or the Israelites were commanded to engage in the Sabbath rest because God made it holy. He blessed the Sabbath day, and that is why they were commanded to partake in this Sabbath rest. You know, if we fast forward 1,500 years from the time uh, that God gave this uh, law to Moses and the Israelites, we fast forward about 1,500 years, and, and, we, and that brings us uh, to the time of Jesus. And Jesus himself and his followers participated in the Sabbath as well. The issue uh, was with some of uh, the, the Pharisees, they didn't practice it exactly the way that they would have liked. Uh, if you just flip uh, real quick with me, in Mark chapter 2, in Mark chapter 2, uh, Jesus and his disciples, they are, are partaking of the Sabbath, engaging in the Sabbath rest, they're stopping, they're resting, and they're focusing in on God. And in Mark chapter 2, verse 23, it reads, one Sabbath, he, being Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And so Jesus and his followers, as they were partaking in the Sabbath rest, in the midst of this, they plucked some heads of grain. And all this would entail is separating uh, the heads from the stalk and separating the, the grain from the chaff. And, and all you have to do in order to do that is pluck the grain and you just rub uh, the grain in your hands and it separates, uh, or the grain separates itself so that you then can eat it. It's a very similar concept uh, to picking a grape off of a vine or peeling uh, a piece of corn or, or peeling an orange. And we don't really view this as work. At least I don't really, uh, sometimes uh, maybe I do view it as work cooking. I hate cooking. Uh, but, but I don't really view that as work. Um, and, and here, the Pharisees, they weren't necessarily so steeped in the law, but they were so steeped in their tradition. The Pharisees, they loved tradition. That's difficult for me because I love uh, tradition as well. But the Pharisees, they were huge into tradition and simply rubbing the grain in their hands went against the tradition that the Pharisees had revolving around the Sabbath rest. And so they had an issue. They, they went to Jesus and said, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And this is what Jesus had to tell them. Have you never read? What David did when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And so as Jesus, he was confronted by these Pharisees asking why they are doing this uh, in the midst of the Sabbath day. He reminds them of the story. They would have been well familiar with the story of when David ate the bread of the presence. And, and the bread of the presence, this is when he was on the run from Saul. And the bread of the presence was only to be eaten by the priest. 
This law, it, it was for the good of the priests. As the Levitical priests, they, they didn't work a typical job, yet they still needed to nourish themselves with nutrients. And this, so I believe this is one way in which God was looking out for his Levitical priests. And, and so this was one of a handful of ways that God provided for the priests. And Jesus continues, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so the, the law regarding uh, the bread of the presence was for the good of the priests. And, and they were able uh, to bend uh, the law to fit their needs. I don't love that, that explanation uh, of bending the law, but, but that's uh, the best word uh, that would come uh, to my mind. But similarly, Jesus points out that the Sabbath was made for man. It was for their own good, not the other way around. Even though the, the Sabbath is precious to God, he's, he describes it as my Sabbath. God did not make you and I to ensure that his Sabbath would remain holy. Contrary, God participated in the Sabbath for his own good, and he gave the Sabbath to us for our own benefit. And so 1,500 years later, Jesus, he, he, he recognized the, the importance of following suit with this practice of the Sabbath, and he recognized that the Sabbath was for their own good. And he goes on to claim, which I'm sure the Pharisees uh, did not like to hear. He says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I love it. Jesus claiming his authority over the Sabbath. And so we see in the beginning, God partook of the Sabbath. God enjoyed the Sabbath so much that he wanted to extend this invitation to his chosen people, the Israelites. And so God commanded the Israelites to partake of the Sabbath. And we fast forward to the New Testament. We see Jesus partakes in the Sabbath as well. And Jesus recognizes the good of the Sabbath, that it was made for you and I. So our discussion for today is not necessarily revolving around whether or not we are commanded uh, to keep the Sabbath in the 21st century. We, we can save uh, that discussion for later, for later. If you have questions about that, love uh, to discuss that. Uh, but what we do see here, though, is that the Sabbath rest is for our own benefit. It's to our own good that we partake in the Sabbath rest. God did it, and he blessed it. And he, he enjoyed it so much, he wanted his people to partake of that as well. You know, sometimes we try a bite of food, and we love that bite of food. And we may say to our friends or our family, we say, you have to try this. You have to try this. Basically commanding them, you must try this bite of food because I enjoy it so much. And that's kind of how I view God in the Sabbath rest. This is his Sabbath rest. And he enjoyed it so much that he's essentially telling his chosen people, now listen up, guys, you have to try this. You have to indulge in this Sabbath rest. And Jesus partook of the Sabbath rest as well. And he very, very plainly demonstrated how the Sabbath was made for man, not the other way around. And so you and I, we need to find a way to fit the Sabbath rest into our regular schedules. This is a very practical step in ruthlessly eliminating hurry in our lives. 
And again, I had to be open and honest with you guys. This is something that I personally need a lot of growth in. Outside uh, of my personal spiritual retreat, I don't recall the last time I spent all day to stop, rest, and focus on God. And I'm guessing there are a lot of people in that boat with me, unfortunately. As this is such an important practice that for whatever reason, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but for whatever reason, the church in America, for the most part, has neglected the importance of the Sabbath rest. And so we need to find, we need to create a rhythm to our weekly schedule that includes the Sabbath rest. For many of us, that, that, that may look like working uh, Monday, through uh, Monday through Friday uh, in, in our jobs that, that may provide us some funds and it may be doing the work that we don't get paid for one day, the bills, the lawn care, the shopping, et cetera, and then spending the seventh day and rest, and not just any rest, but Sabbath rest, a holy rest, a rest in which we focus in on God. And for some, maybe the, the best day to partake in the Sabbath, maybe that's on Saturday, you, you know, the traditional day in which the Jews partake of the Sabbath. For some, Maybe the best day is Sunday. We, when we read uh, through uh, the Gospels, Luke talks about this, how Jesus, he would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And so maybe for you and your weekly rhythm that you have in your schedule, maybe going to church on Sunday morning is a great way to kickstart the Sabbath rest for you. And so it's going to look different for everybody here, but, but you've got to find a weekly rhythm and you've got to incorporate the Sabbath rest into your weekly schedule. And when we do that, we have to remember it is no ordinary rest. It's a Sabbath to the Lord. We're doing this to the Lord. We are focusing in on God and it has got to be holy. And so we've got to stop. We've got to rest. We've got to focus in on God. Don't forget that third step of focusing in on God. And when we do incorporate this into our weekly schedule, our weekly rhythm, we will be well on our way of ruthlessly eliminating hurry in our lives, the great enemy to our spiritual lives. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Uh, Father, we thank you for sharing your Sabbath with us, that you let us enjoy and, and partake in this delight that you have founded from the beginning of the creation. So Father, I just pray that everybody here in this room, that, that you help us create a weekly rhythm where we delight in your Sabbath rest. So, Father, I thank you for the bodies that we have, the work that, the, the minds, the work that we're able to accomplish. And, Father, I thank you that we are able to rest and delight in you as well. So, we love you. It's in Christ's precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.